All right, it is Lawyer Talk. Back to the new year. I guess happy, maybe, new year. Uh, we are on the first Blitz phone-in legal advice interface here on Lawyer Talk for the year. So it is Wednesday. We are waiting on the reach out, the call, the text, whatever they do, some sort of electronic signal we get. They'll hit you up. They'll give you a call. They'll have you zoom in. Yep. We'll zoom in. We'll connect, and we will supply free answers to questions to all the Blitz listeners. And, of course, like always here on Lawyer Talk, we sometimes take our own questions. So go to LawyerTalkPodcast.com, submit your questions there. We'll get them, and, you know, we answer them on the air. We've we've done that, and I got a few today I'm going to hit up. So as we uh, wait, we should note what's going on in the world election in Georgia, a big election in Georgia. It looks like it is going to the Democrats. So we're going to have a, I can almost not say it out loud. We're going to have one party in control of the executive branch, the same party in control of both houses of Congress. And it happens to be the party that wants to have complete federal control, it seems, over everything in the country. That's about how I feel about it, too. Silence. So we're waiting on the final outcome of that race. Uh, There's been lots of other news. It looks like there is a, you know, the big vote in Congress today on the uh, presidential election. There's, I think, some hopefuls that somehow there's going to be a hat trick. And This is mainly a ceremony. That's all it is, yeah. There's no, and I'm not even for. This is just a show. Yeah, I, I, I. I, I, Governors I, have all signed in the electoral votes. Yeah, it's yeah, the, 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 that that's done. Yeah, it's done. And anybody who, th- I guess, I would say this also: <clears throat> if 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 somebody thinks that there ought to be a way to change it in today's proceedings, I, you might want to rethink that because if if that is possible, then when your candidate next time gets elected, then the other side gets to do the same. And unless you, know, you can uphold the the burden of proof. If you can establish some it, legitimate burden of proof, yeah. But under the Voting Act of what eighteen, whatever it was, it's just like I, I, I heard, I, I perused through that without any sort of academic scholarship intent. But all right, I think here we are. Steve, are you there? Yeah, I'm here. Can you hear me? Yeah, he likes man. to play coy. We, yeah, we got you. Uh, so, how was your New Year? Uh, you know, it was, uh, it was a New Year, so I guess that counts. Yeah, <laughs> I guess so it does. a lot of the same. Yeah, a lot of the same. So to the extent that uh, we did get a new year, it was successful. Yeah, there you go. All right. Well, hey, we got Joe standing by here. He has a job question for us. Uh, legal advice with our buddy Steve Palmer right now from Yavich and Palmer. You can get on the line at eight two one at ninety nine seven zero or text in. What is up, Joe? Hey, how's it going? Good, man. What's your question for Steve? back when the whole corona thing was just starting it was right in early or i guess it wasn't just starting but we were still figuring things out and uh, it was in early june i was working steadily at a job and a buddy of mine had gotten wind of this other job that was supposed to be just great it was a big pay raise it was all this and all that and the hiring bonus and whatnot you know So I'm like, oh, great, especially with everything getting all weird at the current job that I had uh, with the coronavirus and everything. I was like, this is going to be awesome, a great opportunity, right, and getting getting a new job. And, uh, well, 
So I go ahead and I put in my two-week notice for the job that I had, and they gave me the contract for this new job, right? They then gave me my check, right? Because it was in my contract that I got it, like, the day before everything started. And they hand me the check. It's a legit check. Uh, and I'm supposed to go on the next day and start this job. Well, all of a sudden, I'm not allowed to go there because of the coronavirus. They don't even want me near the place, right? So I'm like, all right, I'll just take the check to the bank and see what happens. Well, I take it to the bank, and they start looking at me like I'm speaking Spanish, and I have some faulty check here. So I called the employer up and asked him about, why is this happening? Why is this fake check that I have here? They're like, oh, sometimes that happens. It'll take a bit of time for the, for the money to go into the account, right? Well, it keeps on going back and forth like this, and uh, eventually I just gave up on them. And that was in, like, from the beginning of June all the way until this is mid-July now. They'd given me two fake checks and kept saying that I couldn't come in because of different COVID restrictions and different things like this. So, uh, yeah, I was basically out of work for a good almost three months because of it. Okay. And your question now, I suppose, is what to do about all... I guess what's your question at this point? Is it, Can I do anything about, like, the check? Because I've heard that it's... technically a written contract and I have in my contract I was supposed to get that money like I've gotten a new job now but I was wondering if it's possible to do anything like with that check because I was unemployed during the middle of this coronavirus really kind of unable to qualify for unemployment because I had a job but I didn't get really get paid or anything for it yeah I got you so here's going to be your options first of all it's a it's a crime to pass a bad check so if somebody sends a check or passes on a check to somebody else uh, and they know that there is uh, insufficient funds or it's not valid for whatever reason that's a crime so you can make a police report secondly to the extent that uh, they breach their contract with you you have the opportunity to sue for damages you could say hey look uh, we had a contract you didn't perform on your end I performed on mine, so you owe me money. Then you have to figure out what the damages are. Now, it looks like you actually didn't do any work for them uh, because for whatever reason, maybe because they didn't want it done in reality or maybe because of coronavirus or maybe a little bit of both. I don't know. Uh, so your damages might be sort of um, – your damages might not be huge. And then, you know, you've got this other thing called unjust or uh, you were induced, I suppose, to quit your job. So you have what's called not unjust but detrimental reliance on their promise to give you a job. And to the extent that you relied to your own detriment, that is by quitting your job and uh, and foregoing income, then you at least might be able to recoup that damage as a result of their breach of contract. And now you have a situation where you also have – a duty to mitigate. You've gotten a new job, and that's going to mitigate your your loss because you can't just sit around and do nothing and say, well, they have to pay because they offered a job and didn't perform. So I guess those are your options. One would be to sue them if you think they have money and you think it's a worthwhile endeavor for you personally. And then two, you could always make a report for passing bad checks. Or three, you could just walk away from them and say, lesson learned. I'm not going to work with those idiots anymore. So that's my thought on it. All right, man. Good luck to you. 
Good luck, Joe. All right, All right. We have a text from Sarah here. She says, good morning, guys. About a month ago, my boyfriend got rear-ended driving my car, making a completely legal turn. We tried to take legal action, but our lawyer dropped us yesterday because, come to find out, he had a suspended license and no insurance. I mostly feel like there is more than I can do than just chalk this up to a loss. I think the lawyer I had didn't know what he was doing outside of insurance claims. Do you have any advice, Steve? Well, I guess I would need to know a little bit more information. If there was somebody who was harmed or physically injured as a result of this, so if her boyfriend were actually hurt, hospitalized, or other injury, there might be still be an injury claim. Um, if the other side, if the, the person who caused the damage, the other driver, hit your boyfriend, and caused injury, and he, the other driver didn't have any insurance, then you're going to be sort of stuck looking for uninsured or underinsured coverage uh, on your own. And maybe that's what the other lawyer saw is that, hey, look, you don't even have any uninsured or underinsured coverage because you're under suspension and didn't have insurance. So there's nothing I can do to really help recover. So I, I would need to know more. And, you know, this would be a Dave Goldstein question. And uh, you can uh, give us a call, 614-224-6142. We'll, uh, we'll be happy to get you up there to talk to Dave. All right, open lines for Steve right now, 821-9970. It's Loper and Randy in the morning, and we're back live with your legal calls next. All right, Steve Palmer on with us. He is dishing out legal advice, and we have a couple of uh, Blitz listeners standing by. One open line only, so if you want to squeeze in on this segment, you can do so right now, 821-9970. Let's go to Riley here, who uh, this is another uh, employment question here. Riley, what's up? Uh, I work for a body shop, and they have a lot of things that are just going on here. Um, first of all, like, I'm the only employee there that could honestly pass a drug test. <laughs> I've seen everything from people drinking liquor on the job to doing hardcore drugs on the job. And that's just one thing. The other thing that I've got going on here is... Uh, potential OSHA violations, and even government, government line mandate violations. Like, nobody's wearing masks for the coronavirus. Nobody is wearing respirators because we do a lot of body sanding and the whole shop gets filled up with dust. And even the painters, uh, they don't have proper ventilation in the paint booths. So I was wondering, who do I contact and where do I go from here? Yeah, I mean, I, I guess the answer to your question is I'm not exactly sure. I mean, I, I suppose, one, if it is enough where they're violating the law, you can make a report probably to OSHA or uh, you can call. I, 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 honestly, I don't, I don't know what government agency you would call to, to report this, but if you want to blow the whistle on it, I'll bet you we could figure it out. Um, and then generally speaking, if you don't feel like it's safe to work in a certain place, I mean, the good news is we still in this country have some options. You can go. Uh, I'd watch this TV show. You guys trying to crack down on this? I'm like, I'm into it. <laughs> I'm I am. Who's in charge here and who's not uh, Who can we tell implementing on? the rules correctly? Yeah, I like it. yeah exactly. I mean, yeah. it, it, maybe there's a better job out there. I'm not saying that's a good solution to your problem because it, it, some people are stuck in jobs that are unsafe like that. And, you know, there are minimum government safeguards in place for work. Uh, safety reasons and to protect people. And to the extent that employers aren't following those, I would make complaints. Uh, I don't know if you've talked to your supervisor and or the owners of the business to suggest that uh, this isn't being done correctly, but that may be a good place to start. And then if you're terminated for that, obviously there are some ramifications for that. You can't just fire somebody for bringing uh, to, the, to everyone's attention the violations that are occurring. So 
Uh, I, I, good luck to you, man. I, I, if you want to give us a shout, 614-224-6142, uh, maybe we can help you look up the, the right place to make a complaint, but I'll bet you can find it too. So uh, good luck. Okay. Thanks, Thank Riley. You. All right, Alan is standing by with Someone a real goes, estate call, question. Call Osha, you snitch. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that was funny. Hey, uh, Alan, you have a question yeah. for Steve Palmer? Yeah. Uh, so, so I uh, moved into my apartment complex back in February of 2020. Uh-huh. And there's nothing in my lease to say anything about, uh, I have exterior lighting on the corner of my apartment building. And it's actually like wired into my daughter's bedroom. And it stays on 24-7. I can't turn it off unless I flip the breaker to my daughter's bedroom. So I've been paying for this since February. And I'm curious, like, how do I get that money back? Who do I contact to try to All right. I, I get my money back? So you, let me see if I can get this figured out. You, you've you rented a pl- an apartment, and as part of the – in the – electric of your apartment you were feeding an exterior light for the complex yes have you talked to the landlord about this not yet because i'm there's kind of sketchy because if i if i say something to them they're going to have somebody rewire that real quick and then i won't have any evidence to say that it was like that well i guess you could prove that it's like that right now you could take uh, a video or pictures or something that establishes that it has been like that, and uh, and then you know you've got the evidence of it. I, I mean, if you make a written complaint, if you, I would I would highly encourage anything you do to be in writing first of all. So if there is a discussion with a landlord, make sure you email it or send a letter or both, and, and outline okay. what's going on, outline what the concern is. As far as the difference between what your power bill would be with or without that light, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if it's a huge number. I don't know if it's a small number. I guess it would depend upon uh, uh, several factors, but it certainly doesn't seem right that you're paying for uh, common area lighting in, uh, and you're not uh, getting any benefit out of that in your lease. So, you know, I would, I would definitely bring it to the attention of your landlord. I would not be concerned about them just fixing it because ultimately that's what you want. And uh, if there's any claim to be made for power that you paid for that shouldn't have, uh, I guess there's probably a way to formulate that. You could turn on the light, put a meter on it, figure out how much juice it pulls, and then back extrapolate when it's been on. I guess there's probably a way to do that. Um, it is beyond my expertise, except for what I just told you. So uh, that's where I would start. Document the document what's going on. Make sure you can establish and prove that the light is set up and wired the way it is now. And if they change it later, then they can't deny that it was wired this way. Okay. So, All right, Alan. Thanks, man. Thank you. I'm sorry, Steve. Did you want to say something else? Oh, no, 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 no. That's good. All right, cool. Hey, Steve, let me ask you this. So with everything going on, you know, we, I, I believe we're like at one of the the last points here for uh, this election. And, you know, if it was going to get turned around as, as Trump is hoping it will, uh, wh- what kind of uh, power does Mike Pence actually hold legally right now? Now, uh, now look, I, here's how I truly feel about this. I do not believe that what is happening today uh, legally can overturn the results of the election uh, just based on, I think it's like the uh, the Election Act of 18, whatever it would be. Uh, and I think incidentally that goes back to like Rutherford B. Hayes election in uh, wow. sort of post-Civil uh, War Reconstruction era. But anyway, I don't think that the federal government has the power now based on what I have heard and seen 
to switch over or change the election, and I don't think Pence has that power. Now, that doesn't mean that I'm taking one side over the other, but I am taking this side. I am very much against giving the federal government the power to overturn state elections because that is a dangerous precedent you're going to set. And then, I agree. you know, I it's agree. like you give a, you take that power for your side, the other side gets to wield it next time. And everybody should be very mindful of this. You do not want to give the federal government more power than it absolutely needs. We've done way too much of that anyway, and more of it is not going to help this situation. You know, I, I do believe in, in individual liberty and states' rights and all that stuff. And to the extent that you use the government uh, on the one hand because you, you think it's worthy of your cause, you always have to be mindful. When the devil turns on you, you don't have any protection. That's right, man. The one and only for the first time this year, Steve Palmer. The first time in 21. I'm in. We're finally legal, Steve. All right. We'll talk to you next week. <laughs> talk to you soon, man. So it did come up. I mean, that's ironic. We ended right there with the Blitz right where we left off when they uh, when they interfaced with us, right? We were talking about the election and uh, what the power is. So I think we have said what we need to say on that. Uh, it looks like uh, the Senate is going to the Dems. Total control. Either side, who is happy with one group running everything? I am not. <clears throat> we always used to be like, well, checks and balances. No, they don't care. Now that's gone. This is this is interesting. You know, there's this notion of power and power. How power becomes very corrupt. And, well, it's like power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely. But it's like a drug. You know, the more of it you have, the more of it you want. You think like whoever's in charge think they know best for everybody. And you know, our founders created a system where each individual state. Um, had a say where each individual state was its own sovereign, where within that state the individual uh, people had their own sovereignty. And when you give all the power to the federal government and they get to do whatever they want, then you're taking away all of that and, and you are basically giving up your freedom. So when everybody when everybody says, well, we just can't get anything done because one side is doing this and it's gridlock and blah, well, you know, maybe that's how it's supposed to be. Right. Maybe that's how it was supposed to be, because when people are complaining that it's gridlock, it's usually that they can't get done what they want to get done. But maybe others don't want that stuff to get done. So and again, the same advice is true. Be careful because the power you wield today will be turned on you next time and you will lose the protection of these checks and balances. And it is a rare bird that we have all three branches of government in one uh, in one side's hands. Now it's happened. It's happened. Um, I can only pray. When was the last time it happened? I think, uh, well, I think, um, Trump had it for a short period of time. Didn't he? No. Yeah. Before the, the, before the, uh, before the Dems took the house, he did. But again, it was, uh, it was close enough where they, they, like you couldn't just cram an agenda down. Um, and, you know, it, I think Obama had it for a bit, I think, uh, you know, but there, there are protections still in place. I guess we should talk about those. You have the filibuster, the Senate filibuster. But they're looking to get rid of that. If you get rid of the Senate filibuster, you are eliminating yet the last check and balance. Uh, you have the Supreme Court. And there's been discussions anyway of packing the court, and that would, again, get rid of one of the final check and balance of power. Uh, so having, you know, having somebody with full capacity to do whatever they want and the capacity to solidify it in time, 
used incorrectly, that power is, as they have promised, fundamentally changing our country. And they don't tell you how that's going to happen or why that's a good thing, but they want to fundamentally change the country. Now, to the extent that somebody wants to do that and it results in less freedom for the individual, less sovereignty for the individual, less of what makes our country awesome, then I am dead against it. And anybody who wants to debate it, please give me a shout. I'll be happy to do it on the air, off the air, or anywhere else. Uh, Because having one person, one group, one agenda in charge of our entire country will not work. It will not work. It will result in really bad things. So uh, that's my two cents on the whole mess. I'm just sitting on the sidelines. Shut it down. Yeah, shut it down. Shut it down. Everybody be in bed by 10, maybe 8 p.m. Yeah. <clears throat> Mask on. So, Shut it down. A couple Shh. things I've been poking around that we're going to come up with. I've done some scientific research uh, and exploration on PCR testing. I've done some scientific research and uh, looked into what the numbers really mean and what they don't really mean. Um and I'm going to I'm going to we're going to bring all that out. I think we're going to uh, do some have some discussions about it to see exactly what's going on out there, why there are false positives, why there wouldn't, why, why the tests you hear aren't exactly or necessarily what you think they are. Um, and why am I doing this? Because I think there's a large group of people out there who used to have businesses that no longer do, who used to have businesses that, that fed their families, fed other people's families, and they no longer do. I think there are people out there who had a place to go to work to serve food to people for restauranteurs for small shops, for small businesses who once had viable ways to make a living uh, on their own, to to exercise their entrepreneurial spirit, and now they no longer do. They have been shut down because our government has said that they are either non-essential, not important, or they relied on non-essential or non-important business for their own livelihood, and now they can't make theirs work either. There's dominoes going, and they're tipping over at an alarming rate. So I'm going to poke around at this a little bit, and I think we're going to we're going to dig into it to see exactly why we have done this, whether it makes sense that we have done this, and where everything has gone awry. And I think statistically, if you look at this, there really isn't, it hasn't helped. Or if it has helped, they've changed, they've moved the goalpost from uh, one standard to another. Now we're only measuring the number of cases at this point. So anyway... Like it or hate it, we are stuck with it, at least for now, and uh, we're going to take on a little bit of that. Uh, as always, anybody's got any questions? Oh, I did promise one question for uh, the Lawyer Talk podcast, and and this is coming about 10 different forms in, in different ways, but it has to do with appeals. Everybody, I, I get the, and I don't know what's going on. It, you know, we, I, I would go for years and not have any calls or questions about uh, like what you can appeal, when you can appeal, and how you can do it, but, you know, during the corona mess. It seems that that is a question I'm getting. Maybe it's because there's a lot of people sitting in prison and they're worried about COVID in prison and other people are getting out. They want to get Anyway, here's how it works. If you're convicted at trial, so you're at a trial and you lose, you hear those, those awful, painful, miserable, uh, one miserable word, guilty, and you don't hear the awesome, not guilty. So you're guilty. The jury finds you guilty. You're convicted. In Ohio, you have 30 days to file a notice of appeal. That means you can you can tell the court system, I am going to appeal. I don't agree with this. We're going to challenge it. After that 30 days, if that passes, there's only a few ways you can bring it back. So if you didn't appeal within that 30 days, you start to get your options get really limited. So it's important if you hear those words, you hear that guilty verdict, 
you want to appeal as fast as you can if that's what you want to do. Next question I always get, people want to have a new trial on in the appellate courts. You can't do that. Here's how it works. You lose your trial. You don't get to have a new uh, trial. There's not new witnesses testifying to the Court of Appeals. Uh, they don't get a second shot at the, at the factual uh, findings of the jury, but they do get to review it. It's sort of like the NFL uh, review. You know, they, they look at the rules, they see if the rules were applied correctly, and I guess to some limited extent they get to look and see if they got the facts right, if they actually saw the guy's knee touch or not. But generally speaking, you only get to review the rules. So if you're at a trial and you hear your lawyer scream, objection, that's hearsay, and the judge says, no, I'm letting them t- testify, it's not hearsay, that's the kind of thing we're looking for on appeal. And it has to impact the outcome of the trial in a significant way. It can't just be something stupid, minor, or otherwise deemed uh Uh, insignificant by the Court of Appeals. So uh, that's a cursory review of the appellate process. I do a lot of appellate work, but uh, generally that is what you raise on appeal. Uh, You should almost always uh, get independent counsel for your appeal. Um, I have represented folks on appeal and at trial, but it's very rare. I generally would bring in somebody else to review the transcript, review the proceedings, make sure it's done correctly. That way you're getting a fresh look at it, if nothing else. And to the extent that the trial lawyer made a mistake, it's, you can't raise that on your own. So if I screw up the trial, and by that I mean if you're going to raise a claim of ineffective assistance of counsel, you're not going to go point the finger at yourself in the appellate courts. You need somebody else to do that. Um, and that's a legal claim. It doesn't mean that your lawyer sucked. It just means that that's a possible claim out there. Um, it may mean that your lawyer sucked. I don't know. Uh, so that's the appellate process. And then uh, we'll, we'll say for another day a discussion about what post-conviction is, but Uh, every now and then you can go back to the trial court, say you found some new evidence, and all of a sudden it's like that uh, scene in um, Police police Squad, Police Academy, with Leslie Nielsen. He's looking through the the file cabinet one day. He's like, oh, here's the missing evidence in the Smith case. He was innocent after all. So if you track down some evidence that shows you were innocent and it shows up after trial and it was not available before trial, that could be something you can go back to the trial court based on newly discovered evidence, and that's called post-conviction. There are different deadlines for that. Anybody's got further questions about it, give us a shout. But uh, make sure you don't. This is one area where I urge people do not screw around with it. Get on it. If you if you delay and you go to you you go past the deadlines, you lose them. The options, the doors are are only marginally open anyway, and they slam fast. So be careful. Uh, it is the new year. We are, like I said, we're going to take on some of the science. We're going to do some other things here on Lawyer Talk. We've got some guests coming back that uh, we've been uh, anticipating here and looking forward to. So that's coming. Uh, and again, anybody's got any questions, lawyertalkpodcast.com here at channel 511. This is Lawyer Talk off the record on the air. Another Blitz Wednesday, at least until now.